Hi, and welcome to the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Harris. This podcast is all about helping leaders understand how do they get focus, flow, and fun. Over the course of this podcast, I'll be working with and interviewing senior people, leaders, and authors from around the world who will be giving their insights, their questions, their challenges around how they and the people that they work with become frank and fearless. Hi, and welcome to the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. I'm Adam Harris, I'm your host, and today is a very special day. This is the first podcast that I'm recording, and it gives me great pleasure to actually be interviewing somebody who I've coached for many years, uh, who's somebody that I hold in high regard, and actually is now one of the coaches within the Frank and Fearless team. Kelly, how are you? Hi. How are you? Hey, good, thank you. So, um, tell me, Kelly, uh, what does frank and fearless mean to you? There's a couple of things, really, that when I think about frank and fearless, there's something that's quite personal uh, to me and also kind of, um, I guess, a little bit more about you is that I'm quite proud to see frank and fearless um, become what it is really because and hopefully where it's going to be because I know how hard uh, you've worked and what it means to you to have um, a coaching company organization and all the things that have gone into it uh, to make it get to this point and where you want it to be so there's that reason and personally uh, frank and fearless is it's almost like It's like the culmination for me of all the things that I've done through coaching and my professional work, I guess, and the development that I've done on myself to be given the opportunity to work with Frank and Fearless is is personally quite an achievement, if that's not too selfish to say. So it it means quite a lot to me as not just as a business, but um, as as a personal achievement, if you like, that I can be involved in the way that I am being done. So I know that you've got a really interesting journey. What's the what's the point in time when you have been the most frank and fearless? Um, I would uh, say it's been several points along the way. There have been several points that I think probably have been the most challenging for me is when I've been frank and fearless. The, the points along the way where uh, you as my coach... Um, and also I think it's fair to say now as my friend has, um, has pushed me uh, to places where I've not wanted to go, it's it's fair to say, um, but I can reflect now and I think that's a lot about coaching, it's that, that reflection when you've gone through that point in time that you can say actually that was, you know, give yourself a pat on the back because you really have been fearless in that and really brave and, and personally quite strong to to confront some of the things that you perhaps didn't realise were holding you back in the, in the way that they were. So I can think of several things. I mean, one in particular was um, was a group session that I did uh, on a retreat with my mastermind group. And, um, yeah, it's fair to say that I, I went into that session not wanting to be involved, um, not believing in the process. Reluctant, maybe? Uh, completely reluctant. I'd have, I'd have pulled out at a day's notice, I think. <laughs> um, not really being engaged with it. And actually, 
I think probably actively disliking some of the people on the group as well. But through one of the sessions particularly, I was kind of uh, run over, basically, um, by the weight of, uh, I think, truth that kind of was in the room and got reflected back at me. And um, it was at that moment that I thought, oh, God, you know, this is something that I've really got to work on. And unless I do work on it, um, I'm not going to move any further forward. So it um, personally, it took me a lot. It, it took a lot out of me. And, and Kelly, how, how were you feeling at that point of which there was a level of resistance in, in wanting to be vulnerable and divulge, you know, the inner part of yourself. How are you feeling at that moment? And then once you'd kind of got over yourself and then started sharing, how are you feeling then? I think initially before that I was quite angry. Um, I was angry at the uh, other members of the group. I was angry at you, which, you know, we've talked about a lot since. Um I was just, I was resentful. I think that's a, a, a really, um, I think it's a really useful word, but I think it's a really interesting word that you can use with reflection. But I was, I was really resentful of being put in that position where I was, I was being what I felt forced to confront. But I think on reflection and what I got out of it was that I wasn't being forced. I think at any point I could have got up and left that room. At any point, I could have said enough, and and people would have respected that and and not forced me. So there's never any um, there's never any like personal danger or emotional danger in in that. So you're always in a safe environment when you when you discuss them with your colleagues, and certainly in a in a coaching environment. Um, but afterwards, there was just a a massive sense of yes vulnerability that you've opened yourself and you do have that moment where you think have I shared too much you know should I have said that um what are people going to think um but certainly in the situations I've been in there's always been so much um support and I think genuine kind of kindness afterwards that the overwhelming feeling that I've always been left with is a relief whatever when you know whether it's a small issue that you that you're looking at and getting support with or whether in some of the instances with me there was there were quite large and, and significant issues I've I've never come away for very long feeling vulnerable I think that's the thing you go into it feeling vulnerable but as soon as you've done it if, as soon as you've leapt off that cliff if you like that feeling of vulnerable if you're in in a great group like I've certainly been in you, you don't feel vulnerable um Kelly, share with the listeners your recent um, transition from where you, from what you were doing to to where and how you're doing things now. Because it's it's been quite a bit of a journey. Yeah, so I um, I was with my last organisation, which was a, a not for profit, a charitable organisation, for eight years, and uh, I started as a manager and then progressed to senior leadership. So I was a director when I left the company, and. Um, I um, it's fair to say I, I I valued the work that I did there was a lot of value match for me that kept me there a long while but actually as I I guess developed um, through coaching and stuff what I realised was that personally um, I wasn't really 
and I hesitate to say it because I think sometimes it's a bit overused but um, I wasn't living on purpose I wasn't it wasn't ticking all the boxes for me it wasn't um, it wasn't really doing what I wanted it to do and I knew that because I was in the last probably two years probably two and a half um, I was completely unmotivated I could do my jobs with my uh, could do the job with my eyes shut I wasn't I was never not invested in my job or the work that I was doing for clients um, but for me it was it was routine and I grew again quite resentful favorite word um, of the time it was taking from the thing that's most important to me in my life and that's my family um, and I think when you've got to certainly a senior leadership position management position um, but certainly when you get to that point um, you you know you get it's almost a bad thing to say that you know you are you want to spend more time with your family you you don't want to give everything to your job um but i got an opportunity through covid which you know covid's been terrible for lots of lots of people but we had a holiday home in france um and at the end of the first lockdown when we were allowed to travel we we came here to our house in france um and lots of things kind of timing wise worked out the schools were still open here um etc etc and actually we decided to stay um so i commuted for about six months um and then at the start of this year i decided that i couldn't i wasn't committed i wasn't really committed to either camp i think that was the thing I'm, I'm not that sort of person so I was like I was my mind was always in the other place wherever I was um, and that got quite tiring for me um, I felt quite bad that I started to miss stuff with the kids they you know two of them I have three children um, two started school um, and I wasn't there for either of their first days at school and that was a massive thing for me um, and something that personally I could couldn't quite get over and in my mind my organisation was responsible for so yeah at the start of the year we decided that that was that and I took the plunge and retired as it were uh, I say retired I haven't been retired very long because you know I've started other stuff now but um but yeah it was through coaching I think I think if I hadn't been in the group that I was in through coaching I probably still would have been working and moaning about so let me let me pick up on that because that, that i really want to kind of just peel this little bit piece away um you, you I, I think many people listening to this podcast will be uh looking or thinking or feeling or being in a position where uh they want to move towards something but as you've heard we say often in order to start something you've got to stop something how did the how did the support and the coaching and uh, the mastermind group intervention, how did that help you or challenge you through that journey of decision making? I think, I think that's, the, that's the key bit of it really. It was the challenge for me because um, I don't think I'm, well, I think I'm unique, but I don't think I'm unusual to other people in the fact that I can always find an excuse not to do something. If something's a little bit hard or a little bit challenging or a little bit, you know, scary, I'll find an excuse um, to do it. But certainly the group, they hold you to account. So when you put an excuse out there that you 
genuinely feel is a reason I can't I can't do this because we rely on my salary I have a very good salary and you know a member of the group said well how much do you need a month I was like well and they said well work it out you know write it down sort it out work it out and then all of a sudden you know I know that I didn't we didn't need particularly my salary um all of a sudden that reason's gone and then you know it's oh you know but the kids move in they're at that age where it's school and things like that and you know and then it's not until somebody says well you know they've been having French lessons how do you know it's going to be difficult for them and it's like oh yeah yeah you know and that reason's moved out of the way and I think it's it's all of those people that come together as a group that kind of see your very reasonable reasons um but they look at them they shine a light on them with a different perspective and um and it's challenging but it's done in a way that's it's not confrontational it's not kelly you're wrong um you know you need to think of this why haven't you done that it's like well you know what would it mean if um how would it look if you know all of those reasons and that group coming together and questioning you uh, when you have that connection with that group of people as well is a real powerful uh, moving you along and I would probably say in the 12 months it was that group that kind of moved me along and moved me along to the point where um, actually when when I got to the point where I handed my notice in I actually did that without the group saying you need to set a date when when's your date going to be it was it was kind of like do you know what guys I've I've, I've made the decision I'm doing it and then and then the best thing in the world is like you know the whatsapp group lights up with congratulations and for me french flags and things like that it's just the support that you so you, you have you you um, kind of gave me um and it's the first time i've thought of this but i think it's a great analogy is that um we put these hurdles up in front of us uh to justify or not justify reasons or decisions uh that we do or don't need to take and i and i think the aspect of um coaching and definitely from a mastermind group perspective is that actually the, the hurdle's there and you've got a group of people that are literally just standing there with the mirror and kind of saying to you are you sure this is an issue are you sure this is a problem are you sure you can't fund this and actually you're kind of there going Argh. you know you, you kind of know it deep down there's this there's this uh there's a, this emotion and this connection of um not wanting to or there's a there's a fear but actually that, that group is kind of almost going through the house of mirrors um, in a caring way, but just kind of just pushing you um, and challenging those mental models and those self-beliefs. Yeah, I mean, it's permission giving as well. I think there's that, there's that right from the initial stages of kind of the conversations of permission giving. Well, um, you know, you are allowed to think differently. You are allowed to have um, a different path in life for me it was very much about you know I'd done my GCSEs I'd done my A-levels I'd gone to university I'd gone into you know the career I had um and gone into not not for profit and there was the next you know it was always step by step but I think personally my reflection is that I um you know I do perhaps have more alternative thoughts and feelings and, and what I want out of life and things like that and I'd I'd felt I think with reflection I'd felt quite boxed in by the by the path and the choices that I'd made mm -hmm. and actually in this group 
there was a lot of permission given of like, well, you're absolutely allowed to think that, Kelly. You're absolutely allowed to quit your job and you're absolutely allowed to take your phone. Who's going to stop you? You know, you're a grown adult. Why, don't, why can't you do that? And I think that kind of... Um, Exploration. Giving you permission to... Yeah, giving you permission to horizon scan and have and look at the different opportunities and weigh them up and not think and just discard them out of mind. Because I had, you know, it's fair to say, I had a few people in my life that were you know, very uh, straight path, you know, we can't possibly do that, Kelly. Yep. You know, you did a law degree, you've already chosen not to be a solicitor, so, you know, that's alternative enough. Um, but, and, and how are, they with, actually, you, I was how are they with you now that you've actually made, you know, you made the decision and you've moved over to, over to, to France and you're living you know, living your life, What what's the response that those naysayers are now kind of giving to you now? That's the absolutely <laughs> crucial thing, and one of the things that you can pick unpick for hours in coaching, I think, is that all of those thoughts I had about, um, yes, we've had some naysayers, absolutely, we've had some people who didn't want us to do it, but I'd built all that up in my mind. I'd built it up to, you know, people never wanting to see us again or speak to us again or we'd, we'd lose friends or family or the cutters off and things like that. That was absolutely artificial. Absolutely artificial. But in my mind, um, through my experience, through the conversations I'd had, um, you know, growing up and my, you know, the expectations I felt on me, um, that was what I genuinely thought was true. The reality is, you know, if it weren't for COVID, I wouldn't get rid of them. You know, they'd always be here. <laughs> it's, it's um, don't get me wrong, they, you know, they miss us. And um, they, I think some of them would rather us be there. Yeah. But actually, it, the reality is, several of them have said, we, you know, we completely respect your decision. You know, we understand why you want to bring your family up somewhere different. Um, what a great opportunity you're giving um, to your family. You know, I've I've going to have three boys that will be bilingual. I've got one who's bilingual already, but I'll have three boys by the end of the, uh, end of next year that'll be bilingual. The first one's, you know, learning his third language, uh, starting his third language in a couple of weeks. They wouldn't have those opportunities if I'd not given them to mm. them. And the the. I think that's one of the key things that coaching gives you and certainly the mastermind gives you, the group gives you, is that it's just that perspective. And like you say, the 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 smoke and illusions that you build around yourself that protect you, that, you mm -hmm. know, absolutely protect you so you don't have to explore outside and risk anything. Um, they kind of give you glimpses or suggestions of how you might be wrong. You know, so how, hearing you, yeah. yeah, hearing you speak makes me kind of think is that you know coaching and being within a within a mastermind group, there's almost a level of permission around wondering and kind of asking the question what if, and that that the permission yeah. to kind of explore um, potential yeah. opportunities that we we potentially close our minds off to because. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a there's potential barriers that we don't want to go there, or we're protecting ourselves from you know um, potentially getting hurt. So, uh, kind of being in a, in a space where you can just wonder and and have that level of uh, of, of daydreaming, I suppose. 
Well, I was just going to say daydreaming. It's you know we say to ki- we we say to kids all the time, um, you know, oh you're such a daydreamer. Oh, you've got your head in the clouds. Oh, you know, you, you're not focused. As you get older, you're not focused, or you don't concentrate and stuff, or you, yeah. you know, you're off with the fairies. Well, actually, that's that's all like a negative labelling thing. What's what is the problem of of wondering? You know, what what is what is the issue with wondering or daydreaming or you know thinking through what might be different or what you could do differently because I think in those moments are the things that you really truly want out of your life it's it's the it's it's the bits that you at the very least you want to improve um and I think we label it daydreaming so that we kind of resist the urge to explore it further because daydreaming's kind of negative and a bit fluffy and a bit you know not really professional is it if you're a daydreamer but actually you know I think that's what, probably where the magic happens, really. Yeah. Um, Kelly, I want to take you back to the first time we met because <laughs> I, think it's quite, I think it's an interesting story to share because we didn't necessarily kick it off on the right foot, did we? No. No, I, I think it's fair to say I thought, uh, well, I can't really repeat what I thought, but I was, uh, yeah, I wasn't very impressed. I think, <laughs> I think probably it characterises all my thoughts and feelings about being challenged and people who I assumed that were in authority, um, people telling me what to do when I didn't agree, conflict, um, control, all of those things. Basically, the story is uh, Adam was doing some management training for the organisation that I worked for and uh, I don't know whether I was... I think that I was a director at that point. I'm not sure. Yeah, you were. Anyway, I was... Was I a director? Yeah. And um, I was the last one to the room, but I wasn't late. Um, and I walked in and he said, good morning. Uh, and then said, can you put your phone in this box? I was like, what? He said, we're just having phones in a box. I was like, no, I need my phone. He was like, no, everyone's putting their phone in the box. And I was absolutely livid. Absolutely livid. Because, as I say, it was someone telling me what to do that I didn't know. Um, that you know, I felt was assuming authority over me with no given cause. Um, and personally, at the time, you know, I felt very. Um, I was always concerned about being away from the kids, at one child at that point, um, and my phone was very much my way of being contacted. So it was a control thing as well about something that was very important to me. Um, so obviously at the first break I stole it back and hid it in my handbag um, and felt very smug for the de- rest of the day knowing that it was in my bag um, and I could still use I didn't use it, nobody rang me <laughs> but I felt better that I had it because um, it was it was about me being in control um, but yeah that was my first meeting with Adam and um, Fortunately, it wasn't my last, but I think it probably very well could have been. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we kind of go on from there. And then your your CEO said, you know, uh, she'd been having coaching for quite a while and been, been in a mastermind group. And um, I, I remember, I think it was a, um, an open day where there was lots of people mm. there and we, we had a conversation. So kind of going into that first coaching session that we were having, what, what was your understanding perception of coaching and you know what what were you looking to kind of get from the relationship 
I think it's probably fair to say, in all honesty, that I didn't have huge expectations of coaching. Uh, I wasn't bought into the idea of coaching because I didn't really know what it was about. I kind of had in my mind that it was like a counselling light, like a therapy sort of session, (laughs) which I'm sure some of them have turned into (laughs) at times. Um, But I hadn't experienced it and I was resistant to the idea that I... I don't think I was resistant to the idea of development but I think I was I was resistant to the idea of being poked and prodded and I think I probably the first couple of sessions I was I don't think I was unfriendly <laughs> maybe I was um, but I think I was certainly closed off to to too much challenge I think at times I, I did tell you that I was going to leave. Well, on more than one occasion. Um, I'd like you to first and foremost tell me if you agree with this or not and then just unpack it because I think it's really important. It's fair to say that you were very judgmental of other, of other people as we, were, as we were processing issues or having conversations. I wonder if the reason why you were so judgmental of others was because actually you didn't want to be judged yourself so there was a level of almost a yeah. defence mechanism. So interested to know your thoughts on that and then yeah, just unpack absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I uh, I was... I've, I've always thought of myself as quite a good judge of character. Um, it, and even that, saying that is judgmental. But I do, I think, with reflection, I think I... I kind of sense things about people and actually in a more positive way I think I'm quite empathetic um, to people but actually when I was so defensive about people getting too close to my issues or things that I found uncomfortable that could come across as really judgmental um, and it was absolutely that I was think I would think um, when people were agonising over decisions and stuff I'd be like just get on with it do you know what I mean just choose or you know it was um, if somebody said you know they've got somebody underperforming in their teams and what would they do about it and oh it's so terrible and oh their feelings I'd be like sack them you know just just get rid of them get on with it Um, because I think going behind those decisions that we all make every day but going behind those decisions got a little bit too close to my feelings. And actually, in reality, I've never just sacked anyone. I've never ever just sacked anyone. Um, but I didn't feel comfortable with having those conversations about my feelings or my thought processes mm-hmm. around it. I mean, there was a couple of people in the group, as you know, um, that I found it really difficult to be around. I would say that I actively disliked them because I felt when they were looking at me even um, they could see right through me Um, and that was really really so again that was a defence mechanism absolutely and and I think the other thing was that it took me quite a long while to acknowledge was that all of the things they said and their experience and how compassionate and empathetic they were to me if anything, I found even more difficult because, you know, 
I wanted them to like me and I wanted them to to think that I was all right and actually I thought if they could you know the things that I think and I I say and I see must be so different to them that they're just going to think I'm an idiot and so actually that defensive part of me was like I'm just going to keep you at arm's length because I don't think you'll like what you'll see if you really see me um and so those are the people that I probably wanted to hold away for the longest time but actually the people that I let when I let them in um they mm. were the people that made the changes to me like that you know they could you know I'm thinking of one lady in particular you know who um she she could have she could have a five minute chat with me and um and you, you know it would make absolute sense and I'd be like oof should have just had that conversation two years ago with that particular lady and I think the hardest thing was she would have mm -hmm. um she'd have always been willing to have that conversation with me she'd have always wanted to and had her arms wide open um but I had to get to the point where I felt able to to have that with her yeah there was a particular moment with that individual that uh that really probably unlocked part of your journey oh yeah absolutely absolutely and it was one um again one that one particular retreat that she just uh, sorry kelly just explain what a retreat is to some of the listeners so a mastermind group um pre-covid but hopefully this year fingers crossed um a retreat is uh two and a half days away uh, with your group, spending time with people that you um, that you really know and you really like, um, and that you really want to be with, um, and that you're comfortable with, and it's not it's not in somebody else's office. It's not online at the minute that everything has been, but you know it's you got your shoes off, uh, curled up on sofas in the evening with a gin and tonic, and it's just it's just such a nice but absorbing that's probably the word experience to be involved in so share share with us this uh this pivotal because I, I i look i look back on your journey and i think it was a pretty pivotal moment for you yeah it definitely was i mean in so many so many respects and it was pivotal because um i think a lot of things have been going on for me personally before i went into that retreat so just before that retreat um a lot of stuff going on um and got to the retreat it's fair to say that i didn't even want to go on the retreat um i was going on holiday a few days afterwards as well and i was kind of focused on that i couldn't be bothered i honestly couldn't be bothered with the chitty chat people and the you know fun activities and all this thing enforced fun and i was just just my whole mindset was off kilter i think it's fair to say um and but what i probably reflected on since is that actually that was the best probably mindset to be in because every single kind of crack or fissure in my you know in my makeup in my my emotional health at the minute was an opportunity for somebody to kind of get in and prize it open um 
and that's exactly what happened we were in and and i actually can't remember the session what what we were really talking about i can't remember the topic or you know i think that's kind of lost in the things of time um but we we started to talk about um families particularly and a member of my family's um had quite significant mental health problems um all the while that I was growing up um is is better now happily um but i think it's probably fair to say that i'd well it is it's absolutely accurate to say i'd never articulated the impact um that that had had on me growing up um and some of the um you know quite traumatic things i think it's fair to say that i'd heard and i'd seen um as a teenager and certainly the responsibility i'd taken on um as a young adult because of those issues um and i was angry and i think that's the you know that's the thing that i walked away with i've never said how absolutely angry um and again resentful um that i was about all these things and it was just like a deck of cards that's the only you know when you, you stack all the cards up uh, it was just like this one particular person this fabulous woman that i think of now she took away one of the cards out of the bottom bottom level with one question one statement i can't remember what it was but it fell over and it didn't it, i mean it came crashing down and i um I mean, at the time, I'd probably describe it as I was I was a mess, complete mess. Um, and it took me by surprise. It, it, You know, I felt like it came out of nowhere at the time. But I think on reflection, it didn't come out of nowhere. It had always been there, you know. It was just like mm-hmm. this quiet, angry beast that was in the corner that, you know, I'd fed for years and years and years. Um, mm-hmm but didn't want to let it out. And I think this this experience kind of, that was sounding all woolly and fluffy. It's like sometimes you just have to say what it is, you know, just, even if you haven't got the words, you know, just let it out. And, and that was my, my moment. And I think it was exhausting, it was emotional, um, but it was like, it was like pulling a curtain back and thinking, gosh, that's why I'm so angry. And that's why I think about this mm-hmm. like this way. And that's why I'm so scared of not being in control because for so long I felt like I've had to be in control and um, you know, make sure everybody's all right and things like that, that all of a sudden I thought, oh, actually, no, I don't. And crucially, I absolutely don't need to be with this group of people. It's fascinating hearing you tell the story because I I remember you know I don't remember a lot of stuff but I distinctly remember we we were in kind of like a uh, I suppose Airbnb is probably the best way to describe it a big house um, and I remember being sat on the stairs listening to the conversation and knowing that it wasn't my place or time to kind of come down and intervene and just allowing it all to kind of play out um, but it was it's fair to say that kind of coming down after that, um, I know that you weren't particularly <laughs> friendly to me afterwards, but 
it was interesting to just observe the change in you. There was almost a sense of um, relief, and you know, listening listening to this interview is that you've used the word anger and kind of resentfulness quite quite a lot. And I think uh, my observation would be, as your coach and now your friend, thank you, ticking the box, is that 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 for you was actually a really pivotal moment because it allowed you to acknowledge those emotions, um, and. It kind of did come from nowhere for you. I think for me, I'd seen it coming for for a while. I think that's you know that's uh, part of the role of being a coach is that you you build the relationship and you've got to allow the individual to get to that stage for themselves. But it was almost like kind of coming down the stairs and seeing you is that there was this you were so much lighter, not because the emotion was not still there because it was still there, but the ability that you'd given yourself permission or you'd been prodded and poked that allowed you to just open up and that, you know, the physical energy release was very, very clear to see. I think that's, for me, I mean, that's one of the things about coaching or what coaching has given me is the fact that I've always been, as I say, quite an emotional, empathetic person. Um, But coaching's allowed me to acknowledge that uh, but also really trust in those feelings as well and those able to articulate your emotions without any sense of judgment or or fear or anything mm-hmm. like that I, I really think that coaching's really given me um, another level of language really to be able to you know communicate with people on um on things that are perhaps sensitive or conflicting or things like that, but um, I was always probably, whenever there was a whiff of emotion, I was always really quite scared of it because for me there was a lot of negative um, connotations about expressing yourself emotionally. So I think that's one of the things yeah. that coaching's really, and certainly the group, um, has given me. So. Um- I just want to pick up on uh, a number of different things before we before we finish because I think there's a, there's a couple of things that are important. Um, so, you know, you you were having coaching with me for a long period of time. You moved to to France. You inverted commas retired. Um, so, what? Why now? Are you have you decided to go into the realms of coaching and thus also running mastermind groups? I think um, there's kind of a personal unprofessional aspect for me I mean professionally I think one of the things that the group has taught me and and coaching has been able to bring out is is recognizing the skills that I've got um I am a people person I am a communicator and actually coaching by all of the names is is what I've done um throughout my career I think um certainly you has has kind of given me again that permission to to sort of see it in those in those terms and I think personally I've gone from a position where I thought coaching was a pile of crap really I thought it was kind of new age a bit like you know people being nosy about you know and giving you advice about stuff that you know you should be doing anyway um what do they know you know they don't know the struggles I've got um but I've moved from that position to kind of live in the kind of way that I want to live um, and having 
again permission I think to kind of think the things that I do and and it's all been through um, those helpful conversations and that's what it's all about really it's it's that kind of being around people that are non-judgmental and supporting and you know nudging you always in the right direction a direction you've set a direction you want to go in but showing you that you know you're not weird or you know it is possible or or even just the encouragement of saying well let's do it anyway what's the worst that can happen how would you describe yourself as a coach in two or three words okay i'm kind um i really really value that i'm kind i'm brave and i'm supportive those are the three cool awesome since you've become a coach kelly Consciously, what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself? Um, that I'm a work in progress, I guess, and I think that everybody is. You know, I don't, I don't particularly like some of the um, overused well-being terms like self-care and things like that. But I just think, you know, there's so much value in a, in being kind, not just to other people, but to yourself. Someone said to me when I was training, I was a probation officer for, for quite a few years, and, and when I was trained to be a probation officer, somebody said to me, you know, when, you, when you're studying, the biggest luxury you'll have is to be reflective, because once you start work, um, you know, you lose that luxury of being reflective. And I think that's... I kind of didn't appreciate that, I think, until I started coaching. Mm-hmm. And I think just that... Not just being reflective yourself, but allowing other people to help you be reflective but doing it in a way that Mm. is kind and gentle and you know is 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 moving you towards whatever that thing is whatever that north star is that that you're thinking of you know i think that's that's probably where my where my skills lie is because um i've worked with so many different people types of people backgrounds experiences and all that but but there's always there's always something that somebody is aspiring towards and I think whether you consciously acknowledge it or whether you're too scared to say it out loud or whatever there's there's always that conversation that perhaps I can have with somebody that you know. Um, so you're you're facilitating now mastermind groups. What does that mean to you, and what's the sort of members that you're looking for for those groups? Well, first of all, I love mastermind groups. I I love I love the mastermind group that I've been in for for the last almost six years. I think six six years now, um, and I love that I'm co-chairing it. Uh, the one of the things that I love about my group and that I would like to emulate in other groups is the is the difference in background that people come to and I think one of my resistances when I when I first joined my group was that I was the only not-for-profit what am I going to have in common with people from pharmaceutical or manufacturing or whatever whatever um but again, that's just that's just a hurdle you put in front of yourself. It's just a barrier that you put in front of yourself to protect yourself. Actually, what I bought was from a not-for-profit is somebody who had a different perspective um, that wasn't profit-driven, that wasn't um, looking at, you know, uh, KPIs and blah, blah, blah. And 
it was you know I bought a different perspective and I think that's what I'm looking for in in any member is that they come with a perspective a genuine perspective and that doesn't actually have to be because of the background that they're from or the sector that they're working in I'm looking for genuine authentic people who have got an opinion but actually are opening uh, are open to working on themselves as well because you will be challenged no doubt about mm-hmm. it but I can absolutely promise that it's not going to be judgmental um people are not looking to criticize you or knock you down or tell you that you're doing it the wrong way they will absolutely always have your best interests or be looking to help you find the solution that works for you in a group and we always say this i was told it from the very start and and you always say it all the time is that you'll get out what you put in and i regret the year or 18 months that i couldn't put in um to my mastermind group because i wasn't i wasn't ready one of the programs that your mastermind programs that you're running is called elevate the concept around this is uh helping people go from being a manager to a leader just help us understand what that means for you the difference between being a manager and a leader i mean for me in a nutshell managers are the people that get stuff done the overseas stuff getting done leaders are the people that think about what needs to be done they are the people that set the direction um that bring people with them that want success not just of the organization but for everybody in it so they don't just bring people along with them but they bring people up with them as well so i see the managers as the absolute doers and um achievers but the leaders that are really saying what do we want to achieve and and something that's really exciting as you and i um have been putting that together is that the the, the unpacking the mindset um the the thoughts and the ideas and the differences between those two and it's going to be a going to be a great program um you're also running a mastermind group called rising stars just share with us what that's about i mean for me um rising stars is really exciting and it's really exciting for me particularly because certainly in my last organization there were a, um, a few people that i would say probably within a day or two, that quick of joining, they were the people that got it. They were the people that knew what the organisation was about, knew where they wanted to be in it, and they were they were there. And um, they showed up and they contributed day after day after day. Not always with recognition, not always with reward, but they were consistent in, in wanting success. And I think... Those are the people that, um, as a leader and, and as a manager, but as a leader, you'd look towards, um, you'd look towards to see where the success was growing in your organisation. Because, you know, you, you, you always see, you can see success quite easily at the top with results and things like that. But actually picking out those people at grassroots or junior managers, um you know, senior team leaders, people like that, that are, you know, contributing to your organisation's success day in, day out. Um, Those are the people that are the most exciting. And those are the people, actually, 
that typify whether your organisation is successful or not. Because if you've got a, a level of rising stars through your organisation that you can develop, contribute to their development, invest in their development, your organisation is going to be successful as well. Even if those people move on, um, it's, a, it's a key indicator that your organisation is, is where people are going to want to be. Yeah. So we come into the last little bit, and uh, there's definitely a few more things I just want to cover within the uh, within the mastermind group. We had something called the bullshit button, and you know, um, for those listening, they can't see the big grins on both mine and yours faces. Just explain um, what the bullshit button was all about, and the power that 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 did, and it gave individuals within the group. Yeah. So so the um, bullshit was up was. Um was a little button that you could pre-record a message on and we we actually recorded bullshit on it um and at each meeting somebody we would assign roles in 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 the group meeting when we we're all together so somebody would be timekeeper um some would be someone would be quotarian um to write down you know really little key points um somebody would take you know actions or something like that but somebody would be in charge of the bullshit buzzer um now as time went on it's probably fair to say that I was in charge of the bullshit buzzer more often than not. But actually, when somebody was talking, and people have got a way of explaining things that makes it more comfortable for them to explain something or for them to excuse themselves or for give a reason for not doing something or for not being completely honest and open. And actually, if you um, if you had sensed or, or smelt uh, the bullshit you were you were allowed to hit the bullshit button um and it would it would blare the obscenity at them quite loudly um and it was quite because it was quite a funny and childish if you like <laughs> uh, way of doing it it was a gentle challenge to someone to say come on um that's that's not that's not enough yeah i think that's the thing for me is that the uh the humour aspect allowed to disarm the assumption or the protection that individuals yeah. were creating uh, and the story that they were telling, you know, because we do that all the time. We tell ourselves these stories as to the reasons why we can or the reasons why we cannot. Uh, and actually the environment allows for that basic brutal honesty to kind of go, yeah. really? Really? Is yeah. that what you're going to do? And I think, think the thing do? is, I've never... Um... I've never, or I've never seen the button hit where it's not elicited a little bit more from the person. I've never seen that button hit and someone, you know, the person who it's aimed at go, absolutely not. I'm being completely honest and truthful and open. They've always gone, yeah, yeah, you've got me. You know, because it just, just allows, and again, overusing it, but it's just that permission through humour to say, come on. You know, you're with your friends. Why are you trying to bullshit? Just be honest. I would say 99% of the time, people will, will say, can't resist that. Can't resist it. So the um, the the subline of Frank and Fearless is all around having focus, flow and fun. I think we've just covered off fun. Um, what does focus and flow mean, uh, mean to you with regards to a Frank and Fearless? Um, for me, the focus is around being able to articulate what your goals are and I think a lot of people go from quite a idealistic or woolly or 
um, you know, kind of unfocused, even a feeling about something they're not happy with and they want to change, coaching and mastermind actually gives you that ability to narrow it down. Narrow and narrow and narrow. And it goes like that all the time. Um, you know, you, you go focused and then you perhaps drift a bit and you go focused and you drift, you know, and it and it narrows you down to that focus so that in your mind you know what the goal is. It could take a long time to actually articulate what your goal is. It could take even longer to get there and achieve it. I know from personal experience, you know, I set fire to my own burning platform and stamped it out several times before um, I took the leap. Um, that's not an analogy too far, but so that for me, that's what that focus is. You don't you don't go from not focused to focused in however many sessions. It's it's an ongoing process, and I guess that's. For me, it's really connected to flow as well because people, I think, mix up routine with flow. So I think, you know, people get up day in, day out and get the job done. That doesn't mean that necessarily you're in the flow. doesn't necessarily mean that you're mm -hmm. doing your best or being your best, showing up um, in the best way every single day. But I think when you are in flow, when you know what works for you and the way that it works for you and how you can be your best um, in different situations and be authentic, I think that's, for me, goes hand in hand with it, then that you allow yourself to settle into a flow that works for you and, and that, you know, will work to, to achieve your goal, if you like, your, your whatever you're focused on. So... I think for me, flow is about just smoothing out those irritations or barriers or things that are not being, I don't know, genuine for you. So some people listening to this will be thinking, oh, I don't really think I need coaching or being part of a mastermind group. What would you say to them? Whether it's something that you want to achieve and it's a, it's a one-time thing that you want to achieve. The fact that you've not achieved it now means that coaching can help with it because there will be something that coaching will suggest to you or even if you're in a mastermind group that somebody will have had experience of that will just give you that different perspective or that different idea. Because the thing is, if you have a goal or an objective, you have your way of looking at it. And you can, you can widen your perspective at times, but it's still your perspective. And as soon as a coach steps in, even more so a mastermind group steps in, you get one more perspective that will just give you a little wider view. And so I think whatever, whatever it is that you want to achieve, whether it's something like me, ditching everything and moving to France, or whether it's your next step on your career ladder, you haven't done it yet. That's why it's still a goal. So there's absolutely something that coaching can add. But I think even if you don't have, and this was for me particularly, even if you don't have, because I didn't start coaching wanting to move to France, um, even if it's not defined and it's not specific, there'll be something that you can work on with coaching. There'll be something that, as I say, you can you can work through or you can find that flow so that things are smoother 
and your life is, I'm not going to say your life's easier, um, it's like a magic elixir or something like that, magic beans are selling, um, but to live your life more, so it's less fractious, you know, so you have the space to think things through, um, is yeah. is 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 lovely. Is is a gift for anyone. Once you and there's all tools and skills that you can get from coaching and from your mastermind group in particular. And if nothing else, somebody to hold a mirror up to you sometimes and say, Do you know what, it's just bullshitting, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, okay, two last questions from me. The second to last question. In the current COVID world and beyond, what do you believe are the benefits of coaching and facilitating remotely for your clients? I mean, there's value of being together all the time. And there's value of face-to-face and human connection. Absolutely. But I think, I mean, in my experience with coaching particularly, you don't lose that um, when it's online. Um, And I think there's certainly for people starting that journey there's a comfort in that almost distance and that the interaction in that so I think there's a emotionally it can feel quite safe when it's online I mean you can always pretend that your wi-fi drops out if it gets too uncomfortable for example um I think covid's going to change a lot practically in terms of logistics of people being in and out and you know in different places working at home and in the office and actually having stuff that's available online whether it's coaching or whether it's a mastermind group gives that ability for people to come together wherever they are um and also for for masterminds and coaching obviously i'm based in france adam's in new zealand um but we're able to connect i mean digitally uh, I know you, you hear people, we're tired of Zoom, we're tired of Teams, things like that. But actually, we shouldn't forget that digitally we've been able to experience um, connection that we've perhaps wouldn't have experienced um, in pre-COVID times. So distance and logistically, it's, it's, it's not so much of an issue now. Last question for me. When you think about your coaching and your mastermind facilitation moving forward... What excites you? I think after six years, I can I can see the difference that it's had for me and the impact it's had on my life. And um, I could never overstate that that value. And I'm not and knowing that I'm somebody that's not um, I wasn't enthusiastic as I've said at the beginning to see the change in me and the benefits that it's brought me. The you know that new way of communicating being able to articulate thoughts and feelings and see the benefit that that has on my relationships around me not just professionally but personally to be able to be involved in somebody else having that journey that I mean that's that would be amazing Um, to see people set a goal that seems unachievable um, but then work towards it step by step or have those you know those moments in training that you know they call them coachable moments you know something comes and it's like a coachable moment and you're able to you know work through with somebody that's 
that's pretty awesome to be involved in in that to to help somebody and support somebody you know reach what they what they really want because I think that's the thing about coaching is usually underneath everything it's something somebody really wants it's not the next step on the career ladder although that's you know completely fine but it's what that next step on the career ladder means to that person um, whether it's status or whether it you know means they'll have a better salary so they can spend more on the kids or whatever it's you know it's always something that really truly means something to somebody and if you can as a coach support them in getting there that that's what excites me about coaching masterminds excites me because my group is awesome um you know you can't see me but i'm smiling now you can hear it as i'm smiling because there are there are a bunch of people who you know i'd probably probably never bumped into or gone out for a drink or um several i probably would have walked away from um but actually they're a group of people that um come together in the most awesome way and it's a group of people that um i absolutely know that i could call any one of them and say do you know what this is not this is not going well for me um what is you know what should i do about this do you think i should should i bring it to the group or you know although we you know we check in with each other and i'm you know we've got our our next retreat planned in october and we haven't physically seen each other for two years certainly since i've moved to france and i absolutely cannot wait um to see them and just just be in the same just the same places and it'll be awesome and i'm looking forward to you know potentially recreating that um for other people thank you kelly um kelly feehan uh is the coach facilitator of the uh rising stars program as well as the Elevate program, um, I found this. I found this interview uh, really fascinating. You know, when you have a relationship with somebody and you have coached them and you've been uh, a mentor and a guide, to hear some of the things that you didn't know, I think is is always um, uh, really interesting. But actually, to hear the self articulation and the reflection of the journey that you've had. Um, and number of times during this conversation is just me reflecting on how, where, and what I was doing to kind of guide through that through that journey. Um, but it's your journey, and all I am is kind of a Sherpa Sherpa through that. So I want to I want to thank you for being being you. Um, I want to uh, thank you for for um, uh, your honesty, uh, your vulnerability, your frank and fearlessness through this uh, through this call. But actually, I'm most excited about you uh, coming into the team uh, and as we build out and the work that you're going to do because you've, you've been a coach for a long time. A little bit like me is that actually sometimes you just need the permission uh, to go down the, uh, the journey. So uh, thank you. And um, this has been the Frank and Fearless Leadership Podcast. Join us again soon. Please make sure you subscribe uh, so we help you and your teams become a little bit more frank and fearless. So you can have focus, flow and fun. Goodbye for now.